This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 5 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have Carrie Scrimma of the American Competitive Trail Horse Association and Philip Rawls, trainer of high-performance reined cow horses. They're here to give us their views on horsemanship today. Thank you for supporting our sponsors to make this show possible. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to Horsemanship Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month. I have my producer, Glenn the Geek, here. Hey, how's everybody? Good. He's here to tell us more details about the network. Hi, Glenn. Can, can you tell us all the ways that the, that the listeners can find the shows? Yep. Uh, and if you're new to, new to listening to Horsemanship Radio, this will help you out. We, the best way to listen is through our app, uh, either in the iOS or Android app store. Just search for Horse Radio Network, and you'll find all 11 of our shows there. You can either stream them right through your phone or download them and listen to them later. It's so simple and easy. It's the best way to do it. Or you can go to horsemanshipradio.com or horseradionetwork.com, and you can catch all the past episodes. Actually, we just went over on Horse Radio Network... We just went over 3,200 episodes that we've had over the past five years. Wow. So That's amazing. And you have five of those. Yeah. <laughs> We're gaining on you. That's right. You're <laughs> catching up. Hey, it's uh, holiday season, and uh, you have all your shopping done. Did you buy, uh, Monty, anything yet? Uh, uh No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're headed to Brazil on Tuesday, though, so um, you know maybe I can get him something exotic while down there. Yeah, what do you get, Monty Roberts? For yeah, Christmas? that's a good question. Uh, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we ask each other that. That you know, the whole family does that. We, um, no, we've uh, we yeah. don't have any little little teeny ones running around anymore. So. I'm not really a stuff person, and I got to imagine that Monty isn't either. He doesn't no. seem like a stuff guy to me. He could care less, probably. No, could care less. Yeah. yeah. He does like that store as seen on TV, though. He's really funny about really? that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that I wouldn't have guessed. No, you wouldn't have guessed that. But you know what he does is he goes in there and buys goofy gifts for everybody. That's what's fun about <laughs> Like those hoses that shrink up into six inches long and they're, you know. Yeah, he loves that stuff. But uh, that's, that's, that's the only shopping he does that I'm aware of. <laughs> How did, who gets him to go clothes shopping? Like oh, no. No, 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 no. no. No, it doesn't happen. In, in fact, he, as his 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 uh, he's got a uniform. Everybody knows his yeah. blue yeah. shirts and his red tie. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing that's the same all the time is his bolo, you know. But uh, the jeans, my mom literally takes them and and runs dye through the washer again just to keep them all crisp because he <laughs> hates buying new clothes. <laughs> so she keeps them crisp and and colorful by dyeing them. That's a secret right there. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Well, what's coming up on today's show? I'm so excited. We've got Carrie Scrimma from ACTHA, the American Competitive Trail Horse Association. And uh, she has a long and varied career all the way from uh, East Coast English riding girl to a founder of really what is known in the Western world as a, as a, tra- a CTC, a Competitive Trail Association now, which is really, it's got a Western hat pretty much as its look. So she's really 
has a varied career that way and has changed hats many times, but really knows horsemanship down to the ground. I think you're going to love hearing from her. And then we've got a, a, a very young guy. He's about 30 now. Uh, his name is Philip Rawls. We'll find out from him how old he is. So I'm going to ask him. And he has the interesting thing about horse trainers is it's it's interesting to say he's young when they're 30 years old, but a lot of these guys, they started when they weren't even double digits. So they literally have decades of work under their belts when I say young these days. And he is changing the face of training in the reigning world for the better, I think. We'll hear more about Carrie Scrimma after this from Index Fund Advisors, matching people with portfolios. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. <laughs> you know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Now we have Carrie Scrimma, the founder of ACTHA, the American Competitive Trail Horse Association. Welcome, Carrie Scrimma. Well, thank you, Debbie. I'm delighted to be here and be talking with you today. We're honored to have you on. You have such a long and, and varied career with horses, and I just love your, your upbringing. But I especially love your heart that you have for horses and, and the reasons that you continue. When you could be riding into the sunset with your wonderful husband, Tom, um, you guys are at harder. I think you're working harder than you've ever worked in your life. Am I right? That is absolutely true. I, I kind of thought we'd be... You know, in rocking chairs on the back porch by now, but that's true. We are working harder and longer hours than we've ever worked before. But, you know, again, it's a labor of love, and it's a passion. And, you know, when you uh, have a job kind of like that, um, it's it doesn't really feel like work. I mean, there are times when it does, but... Um, you know, I, every day I, I am happy to get up in the morning. And uh, that's, you know, I think that's the most important thing. You know? That is. That's the sign that it's really not a job. It's your passion. For those people who are listening that don't know much about the American Competitive Trail Horse Association, we have a link to your website in the show notes, and we're happy to share that with them and be the first to tell them about it. But um, tell us a little bit about what your goal was in the six miles and six um, obstacles idea behind American Competitive Trail Horse? Well, um, you know, my my career with horses, my love of horses, I guess I'm going to kind of start with that because, you know, um, I think in my bio it does say I grew up in New York City, 
which is not um, not the place most horse people come from. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Kentucky, yeah, <laughs> Montana. <Texas>. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I grew up in New York City, and when I said to my parents I, I wanted to ride a horse, um, they said, uh, why don't you take a cab like everybody else? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it was, you know, it was, it was somewhat unusual, but, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, the love of horses is born in them. It's just born there. Um, my parents had no idea where this child came from. You know, whose family did this child really belong to? Um, but I was, I was born loving horses, and um, I was able to, um, through determination and luck and whatever, I, I was able to pursue that. And I was a show horse person, you know, first of all, to begin with. Um, but I always did enjoy just riding out on a horse, just riding cross country. Um, trail horse, yeah. What what it, makes a great trail horse? We'd love to know that from Carrie Scrimma. Well, um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I think it's. I think any horse can be a great trail horse. First of all, they, you know, it 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 was God's intention. Uh, I believe for a horse, they are a roaming creature. Mm-hmm. They love it. They enjoy it. it it's natural to them. So, um, you know, one of the things with AXA, as we started talking about, is that you don't have to buy a particularly specially bred horse. You know, this isn't like cutting or racing or mm-hmm. jumping, where, you know, a, a bloodline would matter. Um, any horse is really fairly well adapted for the trail. Um, what makes a, a great trail horse? It's the same thing that makes a great any horse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an attitude. It's yeah. a willingness. It's a, it's a, it's a partnership. Um, nice. And it comes from the heart of the horse as much as anything else, or any physical attribute that the horse would have. Mm-hmm. Yes, we want athleticism. Yes, we want balance. Yes, we want bravery. Um, you know, th- those are those are things you want in a horse. But um, again, it's it's that that willingness to be a partner and uh, you know to to help the human along. It's it's their feet that are touching the ground. So you know, just about more than any other sport. Um, this horse and this rider have to communicate beautifully. Um, because let's face it, you're not in the safety of an arena. Right. You know, you're out on trail where anything could happen and probably will. <laughs> yeah. How do you anticipate that? How do you do that when you're, you're at home and you're getting ready, you're going to leave for an AXA ride in a couple of weeks and you're trying to get all those conditions and conditioning how do you prepare for that? Well, you know, I think I think it's a, it's a matter of really riding your horse, um, becoming a partner with your horse. It, it comes from shared experiences, and of course, you know, lessons are helpful. You know, being a good horseman is an important part. Having a good seat, having good hands, and being very well balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to remember that a trail horse is not working in a prepared arena. 
you know, when you ride a horse in an arena that has been uh, watered and raked and, you know, everything, right. this horse isn't going to step in a hole. He's, mm-hmm. not, he's not going to be on rocks. He's not going to end up in a bog. Um, you know, you've got prepared footing. But on trail, the balance of the horse and the balance of a rider is critical. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be critical. It could be life-threatening um, for a horse to, you know, and a rider to be balanced. So I would say that it's it's very important for riders to understand that, you know, trail riding in a way is its own sport. It's mm-hmm. not just something that you do, you know, and it's a wonderful way to refresh your you know, arena performance horse. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, they. I have never seen a sour trail horse. I've seen a lot of sour arena horses. But once they get used to the trail, something just perks up in them, especially, you know, if your horse has gotten lazy or bored. Um, they That's just perk point. up when they go on trail. That's true. Um, and so, you know, it's a... It's a wonderful thing. It refreshes their mind. It keeps their muscles strong. It improves their balance, um, you know, and and they have to learn where to put their feet. But it's also important, very important, for the rider to stay balanced, to understand that, you know, in this sport, you know, we ride basically in the middle of the saddle, Um, not, you know, up forward where, you know, like if you were riding a jumper or a hunter, you might be, or, you know, back further, um, where, you know, if if you were doing another sport, cutting or something, you might, you know, you might be sitting back a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Um, but this, this is a sport where we try to stay balanced. And by that, I mean that the rider sits in the middle of the saddle, um, and their feet, you know, they're, they're so so to speak, their head and their heels, you know, are still in a straight line. The hips, the shoulders, the heel, your ears are in a straight line because this horse has to balance himself on uneven terrain. Mm-hmm. So it's important for you as the, you know, the rider to, to aid him in every way possible to, to stay balanced and to stay quiet. So a yeah. good seat is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soft hands, wet saddle blankets. So I'm hearing lots of practice and, and letting your horse do his conditioning and his discipline um, from the trail, from the natural habitat itself. Is that right? Absolutely. And, you know, what people, you know, often, you know, in the show ring, with, with the different breeds of horses, but the riders are doing a lot more manipulating um, of the horse. As we're on trail, this horse needs... A, a, a soft contact, you know, a, a soft rein, um, because he needs his head and neck to be balanced. He also needs his head and neck for eyesight. And, you know, this is your partner. It's his feet touching the ground. He's going to tell you if it's unsafe, you know, or, you know, something like that. That's what you're counting on him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a rider, a trail rider needs to look up and forward, um, you know, up between the horse's ears. You don't want to get knocked off by some tree limb. Right. You know, you need to be looking where you're going and what's up on trail ahead of you. But the horse needs to look at the ground. You know, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> he needs to know where to place his feet. So 
you know, more on trails, I would say, than, uh, you know, some other places, certainly in an arena. But you want, you want to allow the horse, the horse, the movement um, of his head and neck so that he can adjust his eyesight because they don't focus. I'm sure you know that. Um, they don't focus quite the same way that we do. Um, so yeah, that's a good know. point about their eyes. Their eyes, yeah, yeah. Explain a little bit about that. Maybe people don't realize that. Well, when a horse raises his head, that's the position where he sees distance. We've all seen our horses out in the pasture, and all of a sudden they throw their head up and look, mm-hmm. you know, because they think they've heard a sound or a predator or somewhere. You know, you've always all seen those horses do that, and that's because to see distance, they they raise their head. Mm-hmm. But when they want when they need to see the ground beneath them when they're walking along, um, they, they, you want their head in a lower position. And, um, you know, because trail riding is longer, you're not, uh, you're not on the horse for just two minutes, you know, going around in an arena. Um, you're on the horse for several hours mm-hmm. very often. Um, you're not going to ride in the same kind of collected frame. Um, that you would be possibly in an arena riding. You know, no one rides around, you know, in mm-hmm. complete collection for two hours. You'd be exhausted and so would the horse. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a much more relaxed thing, but it has a purpose. And mm-hmm. that is that this horse be allowed the movement of his head and neck and not be, uh, manipulated, so to speak, by the rider. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are times when, you know, yeah, you would want to collect your horse, um, you know, when you're called on to do an obstacle. Um, but this is, you know, I think one of the things that, that's so nice about AXA and the trail riding is that, you know, very often trail riders don't pay attention to their horses. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking yeah. to their friends. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we women tend to do that, don't we? Yeah. We go out there for a good chat. That's true. Yeah, and they're just walking around on a loose rein, and they're not paying any attention. And the horse, you know, find out this horse is getting a little sloppy, and his training is kind of falling apart, and he begins to know that you're not paying mm-hmm. attention to him. Mm-hmm. So he starts to take advantage little by little by little. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, one of the blessings of ACTA is that it keeps people sharp. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, now you can you can ride around and chat with your friends, you know, between obstacles. But here comes an obstacle, and you need to focus. You need yeah. to pay attention to this horse. Um, and that's also a great, you know, life kind of thing. You know, stress all the time wears you out. I mean, you would, you know, if you were stressed all the time in your work or whatever you did, you would, you know, you would be just an exhausted person and the horse would be also. But a little stress is good if it's followed by relaxation, by periods of relaxation, because it keeps us sharp. It keeps us mentally active. It keeps the horse mentally active and focused. So here you're riding along, chatting with your friends, talking, meeting new people, having a great time in the woods, and then all of a sudden there's a little obstacle. You know, that's the time when you focus. 
you know, start to pay attention to your horse. And it, it gets people thinking more, paying attention. And one of the fun things I love when I judge is watching these people and these horses think their way through an obstacle because they have to. A lot of our obstacles are, although natural in nature, um, require a little thought. How am I going to do this? You know, and and what if this situation actually happened to me? Uh, one of the acts of obstacles that I like particularly, Debbie, is is one that well, a lot of the obstacles come from my experience. Oh, my experience is trail riding, and so I've kind of made up little little stories, little scenarios. Um, and one of the one of the things that happened to me was I was riding along with my dog. Um, my dogs accompany me, and um, my dog was bitten by a rattlesnake. Oh, and uh-huh. um, dogs, when they're bitten by rattlesnakes, they can't continue to follow you home. It's right. not like they're going to come home on three legs. They just lay down, and they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I had to uh, pick up my dog and put him on the front of my horse. Mm-hmm. And the horse had never done this before. <laughs> oh, new obstacle. Yeah. How you big know, is your I, dog? Big dog. <laughs> so I had to lift up my dog, put him on the front of my saddle, and then I had to remount, you know, kind of holding the dog in place because he was like, uh, you know, uh-oh. Um, so it became an act of obstacle. Um, mounting, where, that's a mounting block lesson and a, and a baggage lesson. Is that right? Right, right. <laughs> and... Uh, so, you know, in essence, it, we, we don't use a real dog. We use a, you know, a stuffed toy. Uh-huh. But, again, people have to think about how would they go about doing this? Yeah, how, how do you put, you know, then this could happen. Um, you know, so there, there are a lot of really fun kind of obstacles that, that have come from uh, our experiences. You know, Agatha, we don't do, we try, we try, we try, we try not to do dangerous things. Um, but, um, but thinking things, um, you know, fun things, um, you know, that's, that's really in our, you know, mm-hmm. our wheelhouse. So it is speak. fun. It is fun. I, I, I think I've been on about a half a dozen rides now and I, and I can highly recommend six miles, six obstacles is a lot of fun. It's, it's just enough to to spend a good day out on the trail without, uh, and, and still going a round trip and getting it all done in one day and, and enjoying yourself. I, I love it. Tell me a little bit about your, um, some of your goals for 2014. I heard about Diamond in the Rough and I just, I love your heart and what you're doing to give horses a job. Well, that, that became obviously uh, important to AXA and, and to Tom and myself, you know, is that, Wow, there you know there's this problem in America. Um, we have unwanted horses, or you know, um, we're not taking a political stance on slaughter or anything else. We're just saying this is a problem. Where is the solution? And we want to be part of the solution. Um, now, you know, as I said before, any breed of horse can be a trail horse. Um, and so there are so many able-bodied horses that are retiring from some career, such as racing or something like that, that, that do make great trail horses. Um, and, um, you know, this is a job for them. The right. problem is unemployment. Yeah. The problem is the horses need 
a job. That's right. Um, and AXA is a job that any horse can, you know, can be good at. Um, and, you know, the riders can learn to um, enjoy, and the horse can learn to enjoy it. It's very natural to a horse. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not really very hard to teach them to, to become good trail horses. It's got a lot to do with experience. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, so, um, so we have this Diamond in the Rough Award, which is um, primarily aimed, or is absolutely aimed, at rescue horses. Um, horses that have been gotten under, you know, uh, dire circumstances. And all the, oh, a rider or a contestant has to do to get his horse into the diamond in the rough category would be to uh, let us know that he was adopted from a rescue facility. Okay. And that certainly would be one way. But certainly there are other circumstances, you know, that might qualify as a rescue. Um, and all they would, ha- all the you know contestants would need to do is write us a little note, telling us why they think this horse was, uh, you know, was a rescue or should be in the rescue category, uh-huh. and we would review that. And um, you know, if we felt that the same way they did, then he would be uh, eligible for a diamond in the wealth award. I see. So it could be a neglect issue. They've they've uh, taken a horse on that was in a situation that uh, could be life-threatening from, um, we have, we have categories of hoarders. I know what you mean. So anything like that, that you guys deem, um, you, you just want to pat these guys on the, or as we say, rub on the forehead, um, and reward these people for reaching out to those horses that don't have a job right now. Absolutely. You know, obviously rescue, you know, rescue is, is a great place to adopt. Yeah. Um, horses, but there are other situations, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't want to leave those out either where horses are, you know, in need of help. Um, That's great, Carrie. So, That's so sweet. we just, you know, we see the problem as an unemployment problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's two ways to solve this problem. One is to throw money at it, and we do that. You know, we do have a charitable arm. Um, and But the other that we feel is, is even more important is that they have a job. That's wonderful. And I know this year you're, you're um, partnering with PATH International, which is uh, therapeutic uh, riding centers. I think there's something like 850 across the nation. I'm really proud of you for that, too. And you've got a big event coming up March 14th, I believe. Is it, is it a St. Patrick's Day Angle yes. on that, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is this is really Tom's baby. Um, you know, he's he's kind of our marketing head, and you know, I'm really the horse. You know, kind I'm of glad the horse you're person. here. Then, yeah, we're the horse people too. So. And, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, but tell us a, just quickly about that, and we'd love to to help well, you with that. Well, AXA has um, kind of partnered up with uh, Path, which is the therapeutic riding centers. Um, and, uh, you know, we, um, we're, we're running, you know, in, in essence, AXA, AXA is a way to, uh, for the ride host to raise money. So this is a way for PATH um, to raise, raise money for PATH. We're, we're kind of hoping that this really takes off and um, all these centers, you know, have rides and, it, you know, it, it becomes a movement. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we're you know we're thinking big. Um, we're hoping to raise a million dollars for Pat. Good girl. So, That's awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, but you know this is to to help. Um, I, I think it's been recognized certainly, you know, more in recent years, uh, how much horses and humans um, have, you know, have in common, and and how much the movement of a horse uh, can aid. Uh, a human physically and psychologically, yeah. both ways. Um, you know, uh, riding on a horse, you know, has always made me feel good. But I, um, but you know, then I've heard scientific evidence of why it makes you feel good. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. And they're starting um, to figure it out, aren't they? That we knew it all along. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I, I think. For the you know children who have handicaps, who uh, and um, you know th- this is wonderful to pair them up, you know, with horses and, and people who understand horses. I mean, and, and understand you know the handicaps and, and that's the role of the path center. Um, you know, well, I, I love I love that you've partnered with them to to. Uh, put money where a good cause should be. And that brings in horses and jobs. So it covers that unemployment figure. And it also brings people together in a really healthy, a healthy choice, um, a great yes, recreation um, and a great therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's great for the kids. It's great for the horses. It's great for the parents of yeah. these children. Um, and so we are, you know, we are delighted. That's delighted. wonderful. Wonderful, Carrie and Tom. Well, thank you so much. We, we would love to have you back again, Carrie, and, and have us um, learn maybe some a tip, a, a favorite tip or a favorite thing from you. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you back, and uh, we'll, we'll listen from the very best, Carrie Scrimma of ACTA. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Philip Rawls was born in Ojai, California, raised around horses and brought up in the horse show industry. Philip's dad, Ron Rawls, is also a a renowned trainer, and Philip began showing when he was only 11 years old. He began his own training business when he was 20 years old, and he's gone on to win multiple, multiple championships in the show ring. We will welcome Philip Rawls right after this commercial. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from join up to advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse too. Welcome, Philip Rawls. Happy to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. Well, we're really excited. I mean, everybody's listening to your your accomplishments and where you've come from at, at such a young age. And I know that there's probably people that would love to hear uh, how you did it, you know, the, the secrets of how you started. Uh, I imagine it's something a little bit like this. You work really hard, you grind like crazy, and you get somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I think that's kind of the uh, 
the recipe for having uh, any success in anything that you do. Um, you know, I think having uh, some great opportunities um, in, uh, you know, being able to capitalize on them and, um, you know, give yourself give yourself the best opportunity that you can um, with the hard work and the horsepower and the people behind you, um, you know, certainly makes a... Uh, makes or breaks, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, all that hard work. Yeah. That's just, just like a successories poster or something, right? It's, <laughs> it's all those things. But I know you started at a really young age, uh, around horses. You always are around horses, right? Yeah. My, my dad trained horses. And, um, so I, you know, I grew up, um, in a horse training family. So, um, I was always, um, you know, brought up, um, from the get go, uh, you know, learning, uh, you know, good horsemanship skills and, you know, the philosophies and hard work that it, that it takes to, um, you know, to put your, uh, your mind in the right spot and your work ethic and, um, you know, take, uh, be able to hopefully take it to the next level. Mm. You've done that. You've, you've accomplished a lot. And I, I don't think it was in probably the most conventional way because I've watched you out in the arena taking your time with horses and um, letting them find themselves. I, I listen to you give lessons um, or work with somebody on a horse, and I hear words like uh, try to find something that he can do well. Uh, let him find himself. Uh, you know, Show him the easy road. Tell me about that. Tell me about your horsemanship behind how you create those champions. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a big part of that influence comes from, um, you know, being, having the opportunity to spend, uh, spend time, you know, around, you know, Monty, um, who I, you know, got a chance to ride with quite a bit. Um, you know, my dad, obviously, uh, who kind of started his training career under Monty. And so, um, uh, you know, a lot of the philosophies and ideas around, um, you know, around my training style and program has developed from that thought process of, of trying to take a horse um, and, and get his potential uh, of, of whatever that level is going to be, uh, hopefully that horse reaches his potential, um, you know, as, as a horse trainer. I mean, that's, that's your goal is to bring out that horse's ability and potential. Um, you know, and I had a, the fortune of being able to ride with Harold Farron also, um, you know, and he was an extremely well-rounded horseman also from all different walks of life, from dressage horses to circus horses to, I mean, he did, he trained everything. So, um, it wasn't, you know, his training style along with, um, you know, several of the other people, it's, it was a little more, um, about just being a good horseman and, and training the horse's mind and being able to, uh, you know, unlock all that information. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I'd love to hear the, the philosophies of some of these people that have been around a long time, and I'm so glad that they mentored you. It's nice that they're sharing some of that thing. W- would you, I know that it's so important where you get a horse. Um, do you, would you rather have a blank slate when you get 
your your horse in to train or would you rather have some miles on him and then you polish him? Tell me about how you receive a horse to go into training. Um, you know, I I've done it both ways. I've had I've had some I've had some horses come to me late, uh, late in their you know what I mean in their training career where we have you know four or five months before the futurities and and um, I feel like that is kind of a totally different training style um, because you really don't know necessarily um, what they've been shown and what they haven't been shown and exactly mm-hmm. what kind of training method that they've you know, explored with them. Um, so I feel like you, uh, you know, it's kind of a Rubik's cube when you, when you get a horse late like that, you know, and, and you are constantly, uh, evaluating the situation and, and trying to see, okay, well, I have this amount of time. Do I have, do I have enough time to start over and try to retrain this, you know what I mean? This particular mm-hmm. maneuver or do I need to just take him for what he is? And just try to clean it up and polish it and go. Um, you know, and mentally, if they're the type of horse that can handle a program being, you know what I mean, a little bit different than what they've been used to, you know, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll work out. Um, okay. I always prefer to kind of have a horse fresh. Um, if I can get them from the start, um, I, I really feel like I'm just more comfortable through the whole process all the way through their training and showing career because I know what's going on and. Um, I know their tendencies. Uh, I know their insecurities. I know their strong points. You know, I feel like I, I understand them and, and have a, uh, you know, and, and just have a good relationship with them. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. when you get them late, you're you're not even sure really, you know, what I mean, what direction to go, other than just starting to do the maneuvers and, you know, and and hope hopefully it's uh, as polished as you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've heard you say that it's important those first rides, just how important those first rides are, those patterns that you that you establish first. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like that relationship that you start with them on the ground from the get go. Uh, you know, the first the first two weeks of groundwork uh, on a young horse are crucial, and the first ninety days will be within the rest of his life. Um, and so, depending yeah. on how that goes. Um, you know, you can, you could take a, um, you know, you could take a great horse and stub your toe once or twice in the first 90 days and he might not ever forgive you. Mm. Um, or if it goes right, you might take a good horse and make a great horse because he's mentally strong and, and he understands what his job is and his program and, and his willingness to, uh, to do what you ask him to do, you know, it makes it makes a big difference in the long haul when you're talking about hopefully having a horse for three or four years of showing, you know. Good. Yeah. So you're looking for longevity. You're looking for a relationship with that horse for, for a career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, that for me has been, um, you know, has been something that I've really worked hard to do is I'm, I'm looking to, um, have horses that I don't want to turn new horses over every year. Um, I, I want to try to, you know, start with them and hopefully see them through their whole, hopefully see them through their whole career, you know, um, whatever, whatever that might be, you know, and some horses, you know, they, they reach a certain point and, um, you know, they're outstanding individuals and they can go on and show and, and keep up with the pace, uh, which is great. And there's some horses that, 
you know, that might not be in the cards for him, but mm-hmm. at least, uh, you know, at least you can have, uh, you know, an impact on that horse and, you know, maybe where he goes or what kind of, what kind of the rest of his life could be for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, some, some rainers, uh, low level, I suppose, are known for just overworking a horse, just punishing, punishing, punishing if they can't, you know, if the cow goes and, you know, if a cow gets sneaky. So, but I've seen you, you're, you back off a horse, try to find, like we said earlier, where he can excel, where he can find his confidence. Is confidence probably one of the most important things in a horse? Like that sounds obvious, but. Yeah, it it really is because, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, first and foremost, they need to understand what their job is. It doesn't mean that you that they can do the job at the level you're hoping they can do it at, but they need to understand what their job is. Um, okay. You know, whatever that is, and especially like showing the rain cow horse, um, where they have to do three different events. Um, you know, it's not every horse is going to be super strong in all three events. You know, they'll uh-huh. have their strong points, or they might be really good in the cutting. Or, you know, I mean, a little weak in the raining and good down the fence or, or vice versa. There might be a great raining horse, great fence horse and be, you know, average in the herd. Um, you know, so you have to really try to play to play to your horse's strengths. And so, um, you know, and a horse being confident is absolutely the most important part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's confident in his job and knows he can do his job consistently, um, that's about as that's as bad as it is it gets, you know. Um, yeah. You know, because that that horse is going to take that information, and when things get tough and you need him and you need to call on him a little bit extra, maybe than you normally would at home, he's going to offer, you know, and he's going to try for you right there. Because that's that's the difference between that's the difference between winning and you know maybe being at the bottom of the finals. Great, yeah. So. Don't be so rough with your horse. Give him, give him some confidence. And uh, what do you do? To, what are the consequences out there for him? If a horse makes a mistake, what do you ask him to do? Well, you know, obviously, it, it really depends on um, it really depends on that horse's mental state and, and why he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, if, did he make a mistake because maybe he got a little out of balance and it was an accident, mm-hmm. uh, or did he? make a conscious decision not to do what you're asking him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that, that's, a, that's a big difference. And, and it can look the same, but the, the mental thought behind it is, um, is crucial. Because if he, if he made a decision not to do it, you know, he just said, you know what, I'm not going to go to the right or put the cow or whatever it's going to be. Well, then he might have to do. He might have to stop and turn around a few extra times and do some extra work, and you know, or if he lets that cow go, he might have to go gather him up. He might have to run a little farther, a little faster until mm-hmm. he gathers him back up and gets and okay. gets back in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you put him to work. Want, yeah. Yeah, you want to make them feel like they're in control, whatever, whichever direction, whatever choice they make, it was their mm-hmm. choice. So. Yeah. Yeah. If he chooses to let that cow go, well, then he might have to run around the arena a little bit more. You know, he's probably going to have to do a little extra work until he gets back and get back into position. But if it was, uh, you know, most of the time in a situation like that, I'll usually give him the benefit of the doubt the first time. The second time they do it, if they do it the same way, then I'm going, okay, well, you know, we might have an issue here. The third time he doesn't, you're going, okay, well, now he's, now he's going to have to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because of the bigger athletes as we ask them to be and what we ask them to do, you know, they're going to get a little out of balance, or they're going to they're going to mistime something, or they're going to have they're going to have issues just like anybody else. Um, yeah, you know, right. You know what this reminds me of a lot, Philip? It reminds me of uh, growing up at Flagstaff Farms. <laughs> you know, if yeah. if we did something wrong, I know you live there. Uh, if we did something wrong, we went to work, didn't we? So we kind of, and we knew the contract. So sounds like the training yeah. methods were a little bit similar. Do you think he treated us like horses? <laughs> I think I'm, well, I'm hearing this. I, I think the philosophy all all the way around. I think it works on anything. Okay. You know, I think there. You know, I mean, I, it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't really matter whether it's my cat dogs and my horses or people or whoever. Um, you know, I think that in general, um, everybody. You know, we all have a choice, and I think if you have the tools to do it, you know, you can make the choice one way or the other. You know, um, you know, and, and horses are are extremely smart, so they don't want to do extra work if they don't have to. You know, if they can learn that if they execute it properly and they and they try for you and put a little effort into it, their job's done. Well, then pretty quick they start looking for they start looking for that reward, that little pat on the neck, a little you know you can sit here and catch your hair for a little bit. You're doing good. You know that's what I wanted. Um, I feel like I feel like those horses um, having the opportunity to um, get rewarded, even though it's work related. It's still a reward, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they when they accomplish something or they stop that cow the way you want them to or they hold that stop the way you want them to, you know, any little reward right there, they pick up on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's uh, I think that that's something that's that's really important. Good. Well, it's working for you. So you you have accomplished a lot at this point, but are there still goals that you have, uh, things that you want to accomplish? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the list is endless. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that uh, obviously winning this alphabet fraternity is is the highest priority. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, that's that's a major goal that I would love to achieve. Um, that and winning the world's greatest horseman. Those, those yeah. are my two. Um, you know, those are my two majors. Uh, you know, I've had success at the, you know, doing the derbies, and, you know, I've made the derby finals, I've made the security finals five or six times now, and um, made the finals at World's Greatest, and uh, Mag 7 and a few of those others, you know, which have all been very exciting and fun, and uh, loved every minute of it, you know, um, but obviously that, you know, that golden egg is, is the security for me, um, yeah. and I've grown up, grown up watching it with my dad showing there, and all of my uh, friends and fellow competitors, and that's that's what we're all that's what we're all after. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. having that you know having that horse and that that all the stars align on the right day and everything come together. Yeah, that's no, fine. Well, you got pretty. You did well this year. So you were two in the top twenty-five, and you were fifteenth on Black Design, Monty and Pat's horse, and you were twentieth on Jackie Sparkle. Yeah, you right? know, I had, uh, yeah, it was it was a good fraternity. You know, I both of my horses um, there this year were, uh, you know, I had I had a good runs in the prelims, nice solid runs all the way through the deal. Um, you know, I, I had 
couple little things in the finals that, that I wish I could have uh, wish I could have had back. But you know, when uh, when you're going that hard at it, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. It's either going to come together or it's not. And if you if you stub your toe, you know, it um, you know it, it's not all going to come together. But uh, mm-hmm. overall, my my horses showed really well, um, and I was I was very happy with them. And there you go, and that's Monty's horse. So. Yep. Pretty exciting there. And then his half-brother is Blackie, or Black Design, who uh, you took 15th. And I'm really excited about how you're doing. And we're going to follow you, Philip, and see um, how your career unfolds because you got great big things coming, I know. And we'd love to have you back on. Um, we, we would love to record a tip from you because I know people probably ask you all the time, what's your secret, what you got going, what's your favorite thing to uh, tell people about your training methods. So um, we'd love to have you back if you'll, if you'll come. Yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, now it is that time of the show where we do the horsemanship mailbag where Debbie shares all her deep, dark secrets. And we have a listener question and the question is why does my horse perform perfectly at home but when i take him to a big show he chokes yeah he chokes right no well or- <laughs> so what happens here is uh i think you have to think about what you're doing dear reader uh the horse probably is not the one that is having performance anxiety. It's more likely that we're telegraphing these things. So what you want to do is investigate what is happening when he's choking. If you're taking him to a show and that's the only time that he, whatever's happening, maybe he's not jumping like he's supposed to jump, maybe he's refusing to go into the arena, whatever it is that you're defining as chokes, um, it's because we're doing something different. Chokings reserved for human beings with performance anxiety. Okay, it's not within the makeup of a horse to view any special occasion as more important than another, and uh, they just don't perform badly because they're nervous. They might be nervous because of us. Us, because think about what you did on a normal training day. On a normal training day, you go out there, you scuffle your boots up to the stall, you get them out, you do your routine. But what do you do differently on a show day? Do you, do you get them out early? Do you plait the mane? Do you braid the tail? Do you load them in a trailer? Are you a little more uptight? Maybe a little less patient than normal? Um, you know, even, even just getting them halfway through their flake of hay and out the barn is, is stressful. So their neocortex, the horse's brain is different than a person's. That, that part that says planning and, um, you know, anticipating, that, that's not part of their brain. That's part of our brain. And they simply do not have the mental capacity to be capable of experiencing those feelings of performance anxiety. So we'll just have to, we have to look in the mirror and we have to decide that we, we're going to do all these things that take our adrenaline up often and uh, well enough that we will bring our adrenaline down. So if, if it just means going to a show and not getting in the arena, do that. If you get up early, put them in the trailer, Plat the mane, uh, put a saddle on that you don't, you know, uh, normally have all polished and smelling like. Think about their senses. Their senses are acute to what we are um, doing. That's their preservation method. They they feel our anxiety. They feel the difference in the routine. That's my my answer for a horsemanship mailbag today. And I think too, if I can just add to that a little bit, um, you know, it. it, it 
as we've learned, it, it a lot of times does come back to the rider. One of the best suggestions I ever heard about that was from from Daniel Stewart, who who talks about he actually has been a U.S. team uh, 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 coach in the mental side of things. And one of the things he says, and he says this in every clinic he does on the mental side of riding, is that every rider going into a warm-up ring should have a song. They should have their song that calms mm-hmm. them and calms their horse. And he wants you to sing that song. And it was just – and we've had so the many – Yeah, we've had so many people that have used it and riders that have used it, and it works. It really does work because when you're singing, your stress level just goes immediately down. Uh, you know, yes. it just—it's just a, you have to a, a nature thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a rhythm to it. It gets you back in sync physiologically too. We're going to have to do a, um, a Monty on uh, Monty's Equus Online University. We're going to have to do a lesson on breathing because we brought that up with uh, two different uh, experts today about breathing, bringing our heart rates down, and controlling our responses so that our horses are relaxed. Because uh, as as one of our uh, Great experts, Carrie Scrimma had said, uh, there is a an anticipation by the horse that if our leader is okay, then I must be okay. There is a science behind the physiology of horses, but we we want to partner with them so that we can um, become uh, anticipating of our horses' needs, and that's really that's really good horsemanship. What in the wide wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty's looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in November and December 1. November 30 and December 1, it's Horse Training Workshop in Brazil. It's just outside of Sao Paulo. And also December 7 and 8, a horse training workshop outside of Sao Paulo with Monty in Brazil. January 25 and 26, we have a Saturday night evening, a night of inspiration with Monty Roberts at Flagazette Farms in Solvang, California at Monty and Pat's home. And on the next day, January 26, we have a Life Lessons. It's a personal development workshop at Flagazette Farms based on the lessons learned from his autobiography. It's 58 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list, and it's called The Man Who Listens to Horses. So you can find more at MontyRoberts.com or by calling 805-688-6288 in California. So it looks like by the schedule, you're going to let them have some time off the beginning of January and actually uh, spend some time at home in California? He is. He's going to be at home in California, but he doesn't let grass grow under his feet. <laughs> it's not really time off. It's just no. <laughs> he doesn't tie a line to his toe and go fishing or anything like that. No, he, no surfing. Uh, be... He gave up surfing a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> he does ride, though. He'll be he'll be happy to be back on his horse, nice chrome, and uh, and overseeing the willing partners' horses and. Uh, just seeing all the babies, you know, the babies will start coming in January. I just love that time of year. In California, the weather is pretty mild, maybe not as mild as Florida with you, Glenn, but it is mild and nice there. So there'll be a lot of things to enjoy. And uh, yeah, he will, he'll be filming some of the Equus Online University lessons. We've got scripts piled up for him. And we also have one thing that's not mentioned in there is Horses and Soldiers. Uh, We'll have a clinic uh, in December for our veterans with PTSD or PTSD. PSI, as he calls it, it's not post-traumatic stress disorder. He thinks it's an injury. So we call it PTSI. 
Very good. Well, for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you can find the links, photos, and more information about all of the guests. If you've forgotten you know, who was on the show or, or their website, you can, that's the easiest resource to find. It's just go to horsemanshipradio.com. And as always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Monty Roberts and Twitter at twitter.com slash Monty underscore Roberts. Very good. And many thanks to our our sponsors, uh, Index Fund Advisors and Equus Online University. And be sure to visit all of the other great shows on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 